Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Buckle up, Sodomites, and welcome to the Sinister Sissies Podcast, your guide to true crime, horror, and everything man or man and macabre. I'm Jared, your master of depravity, and I'm here with the writer-director of a new film now on Amazon Prime, Sam Hamilton. Hello. (laughs) Wow. Tell us about that, Sam. It's called What Goes Around. It's a revenge thriller inspired by those 90s movies like Unashed Last Summer. Not quite erotic thrillers, but those kind of teen thrillers like Swim Fan from the early noughties. So check it out if you're into that kind of thing. It's, I think it's either available on Amazon Prime or you can rent it for $3 off Amazon depending on the country you're in. So if I'm worth $3, click the button. He didn't know this was coming, my not-so-subtle plug, so he's not prepared at all. And wait, did you explain the plot? You know, it's inspired by different slashes, but it's it's about a, a female character who meets a boy and suspicion comes forward. I don't, I'm terrible at describing your movie. Is he the boy of her dreams or the murderer of her nightmares? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, look, if, you've, if, you're, if you're above the age of 12, you'll probably see the plot coming from a mile stop, away. Stop downplaying your own movie. <laughs> I'm not downplaying. It was it's it's made for, you know, an early teen market. And if you're in, in your early teens, you maybe shouldn't be listening to this podcast. But <laughs> anyway, enough about me. Everyone watch Sam's movie. Uh, and speaking of murderers, uh, what are we talking about today, Sam? Today we're talking about Adolfo Constanzo. He is a notorious narco satanist. Um he got the, that term was coined because he was the leader of a cult who dealt drugs, but they also, you know, dabbled in some witchcraft. And they believe that the witchcraft is what made them immune from the police. I think narco-Satanist is the the sensationalist media version of, of what we're talking about. Well, I'm feeling sensational tonight. His cult was dubbed Los Narco-Satinicos, but I'm probably pronouncing that really wrong. Constanzo is responsible for uh, a number of, of deaths. How many how many murders do we have connected to Constanzo? 
at least 15, and unlike most cult leaders, he actually did the dirty work himself. Like, he'd get people to catch the prey, but he'd be happy to kill it, you know? This entire tale is incredibly bizarre. Um, I think I was sitting next to you, Sam, when we were kind of brainstorming next episodes and you you randomly i think you might have just typed in like gay serial killer or something into google gay satanic cult as a matter of fact (laughs) yeah and and he was the first result and the fact that this this thing happened in fairly recent history was like baffling to me because it's it has so many of the elements of like murder quite graphic ritualized murder um, these kind of occult satanic rituals and also like elements of the drug war. So the fact that I hadn't like delved into this before, it's, it's an exciting tale. Tell us about Constanzo. Adolfo Constanzo was born on the 1st of November 1962, just missed Halloween. His mum, Aurora, was a teen mum, 15 at the time. And it was speculated by many of her neighbours that she herself was a witch. Often she'd have disputes with neighbours and they would find like body parts of animals or like heads of animals on their doorsteps. I was raised a Catholic and was an elder boy, but he moved to Puerto Rico as an infant who was born in Miami and then returned to Miami at age 10. But I guess during his time in Puerto Rico, his mum got involved in, yeah, that um, Santeria, sorry for my pronunciation, religion. Santeria. <laughs> I don't know if it's worse that I do the accent. Like it's probably offensive either way. It's better than my boganized attempt at it. So yeah, his mum got involved in that in that religion and that kind of involves some beliefs such as intentionally trying to possess people to communicate with like special sort of deities or, you know, higher beings. It has elements of animal sacrifice. And they also went on some trips to Haiti um, to learn about voodoo. So, you know, she was into, uh, you know, some darker spiritual practices. There's an interesting um, kind of historical and and cultural side to Latin American, Cuban, South American culture and religion in that um, all of these cultures are usually quite Catholic and very Catholic, but they also have uh, elements of these occult practices. Whether you're talking about, um, I'm going to mispronounce this, uh, Brujo area or um, Santiera, are, are kind of major influences on these these particular cultures, and and there's like little sub um, cults basically that come out of this like major occult practice that can be traced back um, as far back as kind of like um, African slave culture and 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 developing certain mystical beliefs associated with that. So there's an entire fascinating um, element of kind of dark spiritualism. I guess it's known that his mum introduced him to similar religions. Um, I did watch a documentary which seemed a bit speculative, but it seems to suggest that maybe that his mum trained him to not have empathy and to be able to eat, you know, sacrifice animals and kill animals quite easily, which I guess could have been a bit of a gateway for some of his later habits he picked up. This early influence of spirituality was huge um, in Constanzo's life. Um, Eventually, in his childhood, in his teens, he eventually found a spiritual home with a particular occult practice, Palo Mayombe, which can be traced back to to the Congo, actually, amongst enslaved Congolese people. Um, They created a particular type of occult practice which blended um, a belief in spirits, but also this, this use of bodily material, flesh, sticks, all these sorts of things to um, help you communicate with the spiritual world 
and be given certain powers from the spiritual world. And animal sacrifice and human sacrifice were part of this. Yes, and let's just say that Constanzo dabbles in both of those things. His, his mum also was on the fringes of crime, even as he was growing up, wasn't she? She was. Um, I think she'd been, you know, a lot of petty sort of stuff, like shoplifting, maybe some minor fraud or something like that, but nothing too hectic. One of the stepfathers that he had growing up, he had he had a number of stepfathers, but at least one of them was quite connected to drugs. Am I right in thinking that? Yes, I think this was the last one he had. And the one that he had before that was quite wealthy. And when he died, him and his mum inherited all the money. So he kind of got a taste for that high life. And then I guess the next man she was with was also wealthy, but for different reasons. I guess he saw this as a gateway to keep on expanding that wealth that he was now experiencing for the first time. And growing up, um, Constanzo, in terms of his sexuality, um, it's speculated, you know, which way he swung in terms of his sexuality. He appears to be bisexual, um, but certainly had a number of relationships with, with men. I couldn't see anything to suggest that he was ashamed by that or tried to hide that. It seemed to be like it was part of his shtick <laughs> in being this really spiritual person. Yeah, he was almost like, a, if you could call it a celebrity in kind of like the underground drug dealing scene. People were fascinated by him. It's like this kind of bisexual, leaning towards gay, like psychic... You know, it kind of comes to the territory. He was encouraged that he may have psychic abilities as a teenager by his mum, Aurora, who claims that he predicted the attempted assassination of Ronald Reagan. And so from there, it's I don't know if that just filled his head with the idea that maybe he could capitalise on his ability to deceive people or if he truly believed that he was psychic because of what she was saying, you know? Again, it just plays into this idea of spirituality, even from a young age, had a huge influence on him um, and probably added to the slightly narcissistic side of his personality that comes out later in life. Yeah. I mean, he was kind of, he was kind of (laughs) cute. Well, he did. He did a bit of modeling, didn't he? Yeah. So he moved to Mexico city in 1983 on a short-term modeling assignment. And that's where he actually met a lot of his followers. So I don't know if he went to Mexico and was like, you know what, while I'm here, I'm going to start a cult, but he did. And his original disciples were Jorge Montes, who was a known gay psychic, as well as Omar Arrio, who was obsessed with the occult since he was a teenager, and Martin Quintana Rodriguez. So Omar and Martin became his lovers, and they were kind of in a menage a trois type situation where he would gender them depending on his like daily preference changes. So if you wanted a woman, you're the woman today. If you wanted a man, you're the man today. I don't know if that involved any kind of like cross-dressing or anything like that but you know there were flipping gender roles let's just say that and this is the beginning of i don't know what age is he at this point maybe in his 20s yeah i think he was i think he was 20 or 21 at this time it's important to note that like um when we use the word cult and starting a cult uh, i think it's more that that he in uh certain cultures in mexico city having kind of a local spiritual person that you go to and you pay for certain spiritual services is a thing. And he seemed to, even though he was there for a modeling assignment, find his way into being this kind of go-to person that like, if you wanted to curse someone, 
you know, um, uh, Constanzo knew how to how to do that for you. And I think that that's how his following developed. He he um, obviously had lovers who he, were interested in that, um, but also he was known as being this kind of very effective spiritual person. So as Constanzo was establishing himself kind of as, as this quasi-spiritual figure, I believe he moved to Mexico City permanently in 1984. It, it's worth pointing out that the 1980s were a peak time for Mexican drug cartels. It's the narco part of narco-Satanists. Uh, there was a particular cartel very active at the time, which I am going to very much mispronounce, um, the Guadalajara cartel. I apologize. Well, I don't apologize to the cartel. I apologize to the Mexican people. Um, the uh, So these cartels were took off in the 80s. Um, and the reason they took off so much in the 80s and were earning so much money in the 80s is because it's the 80s. Cocaine is huge being crossed um, across the Mexican border. And so there's a lot of money coming into Mexico. And since the 1980s, this issue of very large, very profitable Mexican cartels um, has persisted ever since. And there's, there's, in particular these days, there's this worrying overlap between Mexican cartel activity and government elections, particularly local council elections and policing and corruption and everything associated with that. Um, and so it was within this environment that um, Constanzo was establishing himself as this apparently amazing practicer of this Santiera-like religion of Palo. And it caught the eye of certain uh, cartel members during the time. Obviously at this point as well, his followers are increasing and he became known in this cartel scene and people um, started getting him to do ritual cleansings to kind of give them good luck. And he would do tarot for gangsters. And it was actually quite smart because he would bribe policemen to get um, information about these cartel members and then read them these weirdly accurate fortunes. And then they trusted him. People were paying up to $4,500 for a reading or a ritual from him. Adolfo had his cauldron, which he would sacrifice animals in as part of his Palomayambe religion. And that was also kind of like a big show he'd put on for people. And so you would have to pay more depending on what animal. And my understanding of this as well is that, that there's an element of you sacrifice something that you want the qualities of. So if you um, if you wanted to be um, kind of cunning or, so, or something like that, you would like kill a fox, right? Um, and you would you would take the attributes that those animals may have had as part of that ritual practice. Um, and then you would put them along with a whole bunch of like herbs and sticks and all these sorts of things into a cauldron environment. And that was seen essentially as an offering to the spiritual world to bring you whatever you've called for. He took this a bit far. Not that I'm okay with animal sacrifice, but... Um... Well, look, it, it started with him just raiding graveyards and stealing human bones. But demands got higher, you know, to... To, you know, notarize himself, he needed to, you know, start doing the real thing, killing some animals live. Constanzo took it a bit further in trying to get these attributes because obviously the logical next step is if you're wanting to gain the attributes of something that you sacrifice is that you move on to human sacrifice. And there would be things like, um, I heard of one story of, um, somebody wanted to be to be more youthful um, and to look more youthful, so he 
asked his members to go get a child and he sacrificed a child. Similarly, um, there was another tale of um, somebody wanted to be stronger and so he asked his members to go get a muscular man, which he brought back and then sacrificed as part of his rituals. And it's important to note as well that this is, this is not merely a, an empty cult. This is a business as well. Like he is earning money from getting these requests and sacrificing people for this purpose. Yeah, he's built, he's built, building up quite a reputation. I think sometimes the, like the cartel would be actively involved in the slayings. An interesting note is that it seems like he required the men to strip naked during the rituals and women would not be allowed in. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. He tried to reach out at one point um, to one of the major drug families who ended up uh, rejecting him. It was the Calzadas family. He tried to establish kind of an, an overall relationship with this crime family. And when they rejected him... Uh, several members of that family mysteriously uh, died. Yeah, when the police showed up, they found, like, candles burning and some evidence of some kind of, like, religious ceremony. So, you know, probably helped to, you know, get the notoriety. (laughs) But he soon uh, linked up with one particular crime family. Yes, the Hernandezes, so led by Elio. And unlike the Calzadas, they embraced him and offered him a full partnership. So the Calzadas were willing to work with him but not go to extra mile. And this family were like, you know what? You're in. And he became the high priest of the gang. So this is this is kind of late 1980s. Um, and Constanzo has gone from being, you know, uh, Miami part-time model <laughs> and then suddenly becoming the go-to spiritual guy, basically, for Mexican cartels. Yes, but every go-to spiritual guy needs a go-to spiritual girl, right? Oh, and then. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, that was, that was a really bad segue, guys. Yeah, he needed a girl to lure in more male members of the cult. So he recruited this college student, Sarah Aldrate. I'm probably pronouncing wrong. Sorry, Sarah. Sarah's still alive and kicking. Aldrate. So, um, she, might, she might hex me for mispronouncing her name. <laughs> so she was, she was a college student from, the, from a border town in Texas. And she was involved with a drug dealer who I guess um, Constanzo knew. So... Yeah, he was able to win her over. I think he actually sort of, like, cheated her out of her relationship. Like, he hooked up with her and then made it known that he did it so that the relationship would end. Uh-huh. But it seems like the relationship wasn't overly sexual and she was kind of there to fill a role of, like, recruiting members. She was the she was the right-hand woman for the operation, is my understanding. Yeah, the madrina. Sara is um, a fascinating figure in my head because she was unlike a lot of the other people that were involved in this kind of quasi-cult, quasi-cartel situation, she was educated and she kind of lived a double life of, on the one hand, being this, like, prim and proper college student and then her other side was 
as this godmother of a cult and heavily involved in the rituals of Palo. Yes, talk about two faces. Mm. Once Sarah was involved, very soon after they moved their headquarters to a plot of desert called Rancho Santa Elena, uh, about 20 miles from Matamoros and very close to the border. So they were in Mexico, but they were, you know, they were a stone's throw away from Texas and, you know, many potential victims if they wished. Yeah. Also, I'm assuming close to the cartels as well, because obviously the cartels wanted to get things across the border. That's where the money was coming from. So, you know, got to be got to be at that border prime location. So around this time, 1988, this is when he kind of started to get like quite confident in May and June. He, in 1988, he killed drug dealer called Hector De La Fuente, a farmer called Moises Castillo. Um, they were killed by gunshot and Costanzo actually realized that he didn't like that. He didn't find it very satisfying. So his next victim, um, Ramon Esquivel was a transvestite from Mexico City and he was killed quite brutally. And I guess that gave Adolfo, you know, like that kick he needed. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to do it like this from now on. But I think that comes down to, you know, not just being a personal lust killing type thing. I think that comes down to the nat- nature of the kind of rituals that he was trying to pull off. Like that they were meant to be symbolic. Um, and so for that, you need... You need a bit of theatre, I think, to the killing itself. Yes, it's all about the theatre with Adolfo. Let's just say he liked he liked the spotlight. 1989, that's when he, he cemented a video, Hernandez, as a full-fledged cultist. So they did like a bloodletting ceremony and dripped some blood in, into the cauldron. And that's when the Hernandez brothers were like kind of all in and they, were, they weren't just using him for his services. They were actively part of the cult as well. So this relationship with the Hernandez family became even more concrete where, you know, tangential members of the Hernandez family um, were were finally initiated into the cult proper. So uh, by 1989, um, Constanzo had well and truly integrated the cartel into his daily practice. The Hernandez family were so immersed in the cult at this point that one of them even offered up their own cousin as a sacrifice. So, you know, that's dedication. The relationship shifted from um, Constanzo being this guy that, that cartels would seek out when they needed protection from police or something like that, and he would do rituals for them. It eventually got to a point where Constanzo was the one saying, I need to do this, go get this for me. And the cartel members were, were doing that. And I, I, I think that's most evident um, by the most infamous killing that Constanzo did, which is Constanzo uh, demanded an Anglo male for his next ritual. In particular, he wanted an intelligent person in order to use um, as part of a ritual um, and his followers uh, went out and found one. Yes, well, lucky for him, it was spring break. So a lot of college students from Texas were, you know, crossing the border to party because, you know, the drinking age at the time in Mexico was 16 and, you know, 21 in America. So, of course, they're going to jump on over. And the unfortunate victim was Mark Kilroy. So the 14th of March, 1979, Mark was like a 21-year-old, just living it up. You know, he was a med pre-med student who'd crossed the border for spring break. He was just about to re-enter Texas. Yeah, so this is the the logistics of this took me a while to understand. So there was apparently, um, so if you went to university kind of on the border, on the Mexican border, 
they would cross the border at the start of the night and go to um, Matamores, Matamoros, I'm probably mispronouncing that. They would go to this place in Mexico to all get drunk because the drinking age was lower. And then they would uh, walk, literally walk back across the border to their cars and then go go back home. Um, and so this was a common thing to do during spring break. If all of your friends were under the age of 21, you would cross the border and then walk back. And it was on this night that, that Mark had been off drinking with his friends. They were all walking back across the border he needed to take a piss or something and said, oh, I'll meet you on the other side. I'm just going to go back for a sec. Yes. And at this point, um, Seraphine Hernandez spotted Mark. So he was also part of the Hernandez family and actually a very important figure in the whole investigation. But we'll get to that. Um, So Seraphine Hernandez offered Mark a ride. Mark initially said yes, but ran away when two other gang members got out of the car, looking, I'm assuming, quite intimidating. I think they also yelled freeze as well. Um, yes. Yeah, they yelled freeze and pretended to be police. Mm. Um, so he was under the impression that he was being arrested at this point. And they, so they cuffed him and took him back to Rancho Santa Elena. And the rest is grim history. I saw a documentary with one of the detectives talking about this, this thing of clearly um, Mark Kilroy knew that the people taking hold of him weren't police. But he had this reflex doubt um, as he started to run away and they yelled freeze that he might have been breaking the law. And his instant impulse was then to comply just in case they were police. When the reality was that he was not far away from the border and he could have gotten away fairly quickly. They tied him up and left him in the back of the ute or pickup truck for you Americans. And they just wanted to wait, I guess, until Constanzo arrived back so that They could get the tick of approval, I guess, you know, that he was the victim that he was after. Um, During this time, he was befriended by a caretaker who didn't speak any English. So I guess Mark was begging for his life to this caretaker who had no idea what was going on. Although I'm sure the caretaker of the ranch knew these were bad people. When Constanza got back, it turned out that, yes, this is exactly what he wanted. Um, They duct taped Mark's face and they sodomized him. Depending on the story, he was either struck over the head with a blunt machete or was struck in the back of the neck with the machete. Um, all we know for sure is that um, Seraphine Hernandez said that it sounded like coconuts cracking. So there, there's an interesting component to that, uh, which is as far as his ritual is concerned um, for Constanzo, uh, he, he just needs the body. Like the, the, the ritual is all about the body there. Choosing to sodomize Mark Kilroy um, really adds an extra element, I think, to Constanzo's mindset where obviously there was a sexual component to it as well. Costanzo was after Mark for his intellect or they, you know, they wanted an Anglo male who was intelligent and so his brain was removed and put into the cauldron. Afterwards his legs were chopped off above the knees and a wire was inserted inside his spinal cord to remove it after his body had decomposed and it's rumoured that some of the cult members wore like part of the spine like as a necklace or something like that. On one of the uh, witness accounts that I heard was that um, they inserted the wire so that when they um, buried Mark Kilroy, um, after he had decomposed for a while, you could then take the wire out and it would be a full spine along a wire, um, which you could then quite easily turn into a necklace. The ritual was only conducted by males. And yes, yeah, Sarah, the 
um, Madrina or Godmother was not allowed to witness it happening. Mark Kilroy is obviously uh, uh, Costanzo's most um, prominent victims and infamous victims. Uh, unfortunately, that's the case. There were there were a number of people that had disappeared in Mexico around this area at the time. I think there were up to sixty people who had dis- disappeared. Um, in in that area near the ranch that we don't know how many of them were killed by Costanzo. I know Mark Curie's parents travelled across the border in order to find out more about him. Certainly amongst the um, City of Mexico police, Mark Curie was on the front of their mind because of the controversy surrounding his disappearance at that stage. So how did um, Costanzo end up getting caught? As often goes in these situations, um, something completely unrelated ends up triggering the discovery of this big operations. So Kilroy had been kidnapped on the 14th of March, and on the 9th of April, the investigation was still ongoing, but I guess going a little cold. But there were checkpoints set up near the border because there's obviously a lot of drug smuggling and trading going on. And Serafine Hernandez ends up ignoring one of the police checkpoints because he'd been told by Constanzo that due to being part of the cult that he was going to be invisible to police. So he just thought, okay, I'm going to keep going. And <laughs> and the police followed him discreetly, which probably also made him think, oh, yeah, they're not, the sirens aren't on. I'm sure they're just driving. But they followed him to the ranch and, you know, arrested him there. Really strangely, as soon as he was arrested, because there's actually video footage of this, Seraphine just kind of starts freely admitting everything. And when they're asking about Mark's body, he's just like, which body? Oh, we've got bodies here, here, here. It's very odd. Because <laughs> he thought he was completely immune um, there's video footage of, so the, uh, so the, there was U.S. police there and then there was also Mexican police there. Um, and there is startling footage of this guy thought because of, you know, his connection to the occult that he was immortal and that he couldn't get shot. And then the Mexican police started shooting in the air and you just see this guy shit himself because he's like, oh, I'm not that confident. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's what it took to wear him down. So at this point, obviously, we've got um, Seraphine, you know, revealing a whole lot of information. He leads them to the cauldron, which still has Mark's brain in it. So, you know, it's kind of being solidified that, yes, Constanzo was behind the killing of Mark. So the hunt for him was on. So eight days later, the police finally found, like, a secret apartment that Constanzo had. There were stockpiles of gay pornography, because, you know, who doesn't need, you know, to get off? And a secret ritual chamber. Pre-internet. So, yeah, pre-internet. You know, he's got needs. He's a killer. He's a cult leader, but he still has to look at hot boys naked. So, yeah, they found his gay pornography stash and a secret ritual chamber. So, in order to lure Constanzo back, one of the tactics that authorities used due to Constanzo's sort of narcissism was to televise um, burning a photo of Constanzo in his own cauldron. Um, The footage was given to a news crew in hopes that Constanzo would see it, and apparently he did, and he was not happy. That's not how he got caught, but just an interesting, you know, tidbit there. So he was hiding out in an apartment in Mexico City, only to be discovered when the police were actually patrolling the area for something completely different. There are some reports that police may have been drawn to an argument specifically happening in Constanzo's apartment, but not that they actually knew he was the one in there. When Constanzo saw the police, he got out his Uzi, as you do, and just started free-firing. At the time, he was with Martin, um, you know, his lover, and also Sarah Aldretta, and also um, Elvira de Leon, the occult's hitman. Once the police, you know, got back up and Constanto saw that he was fucked, he hugged Martin. So, you know, Sarah's discarded. 
he hugs Martin, his lover, and demands that Alvaro shoot him. And so Alvaro did, after some convincing, shot Martin Quintero Rodriguez and Dolfo Constanzo. Now, there is a bit of a slight conspiracy theory, I think slightly um, promoted by Sarah, which is that the police actually executed Constanzo and Martin. Um, And one of the reasons for that is that there was a connection between the cartel and the local Mexican city police. At least one of the US uh, police officers that had worked on the case suspected that that may be the case, that there wasn't this situation where Costanzo was um, um, assisted suicide, basically. He instead was killed by police because the police were told to kind of get rid of him as quickly as possible. So what happened to the surviving cult slash cartel members? A total of 14 people were arrested. Uh, I think most of them were sentenced in 1994. Sarah Aldrete got 60 years. Uh, I know that Alvaro de Leon, the hitman of the cult, um, or the cult's main hitman, um, he only got 30 years, so he'll actually be out in a couple of years, which is quite disconcerting. And yeah, Omar Aria died before he could actually be convicted because he had AIDS. It's... uh fascinating case of again it's mixing all my favorite elements of like drugs and satanism and murder original cult member omar aria claims there was a whole other chapter of the cult out there and martin quintana rodriguez's sister also said something similar just hope that's you know the words of the brainwashed and superstitious and that uh narco satanism is not alive and well Thank you for listening to the Sinister Sissies podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Sinister Sissies. You can also follow us on Instagram at Sinister underscore Sissies. You can follow me on Twitter at Jared Bartle. And if you want to get in touch with Sam, you can DM him on uh, the Sinister Sissies Instagram. Uh, But the film also has an Instagram, does it? What underscore goes underscore around underscore film, I believe. So what goes around, check it out on Amazon Prime and also check out the social media and send Sam a DM if you really like the film and also rate and review it. And until next time, stay sinister. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.